Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and I'm sliding into first as usual. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, this morning's show was actually a recording because uh, our technical guy had to be somewhere else. So, but I wanted to do this afternoon show live, and evidently my clocks were a little bit off, and so I didn't quite get in here as quickly as I thought. But anyway, I do have some things to, together that I wanted to say, and we. We have finished our expose on Hosea, which is one of the minor prophets. And we gave you lots of hints and ideas and uh, revelations about what Hosea was really talking about. And I have been preparing to do Joel, which is the next minor prophet that is in line in the Bible that that's the next one that shows up he probably did not write immediately after Hosea he probably wrote after even Amos and maybe some of the other minor prophets but uh, they put him in that place in the Bible and that's fine but I'm basing that on if you actually look at some of the poetry in his writings but it's difficult to tell because of the fact that uh, we assume that he may have got some of his ideas from other writings. But the, the fact is there may have been even other writings that have not survived. So we don't know exactly where he got some of the phraseology that he uses. But it does seem like at least a lot of scholars think that he wrote much later. But we're going to take him in the order in which he shows up in the King James Bible. And uh, even in the Masoretic text, now there's some debate even when they use it in the Masoretic text. But we're going to get deeper into the Hebrew itself because that will give you, we're just going to cut a kind of a window into the Hebrew. We're going to look at one verse and uh, and some of the words that are mentioned in that verse and show you how they are related in the language to the metaphors and allegories that are so common in the Hebrew scripture that we see throughout the scripture, throughout the writings in in the Hebrew language. But we're actually not going to start Joel now. We'll start him next week. But I just thought I'd give you kind of a heads up because we're working in that way. And, you know, I've already started putting together our study on Amos. And Amos also, we're going to look at certain words in Amos that are not so paramount in Joel but are bringing us in the same direction. There's certain words that you find in Joel you don't find hardly anywhere else. And we, we find that with lots of books in the Bible. Uh, lots of, like the word dominion. You'll, you'll find dominion early on in the Bible, in, in Genesis. And then you'll find it later on. But it's not the same Hebrew word for dominion later on. When you, you read dominion in Daniel, you read, it, it appears numerous times. But it's a different Hebrew word. This is important for understanding 
the nuances of the Old Testament and the New Testament and in comparing the two and, and the message of God. Because God is the same yesterday as he is today. So if you don't know some of these specifics or it's kept from you, which actually it has been kept from you, so somewhat by the, the omission is by ignorance, some of the omission is by preconceived notion, some of the omission is by design. And, uh, but it doesn't really matter. The fact is, a lot of people don't really know what they were talking about in some of these prophetic books. And so, though, if you don't really understand the past, you may not see the future as clearly. Because if you want to know the future, study the past. And it's because we repeat the same mistakes. We repeat... Now, we also repeat the same solutions. And some of those solutions are effective, and some of those solutions are not effective. And if you don't know history, you may waste a lot of time and energy pursuing the solutions that are not effective. I saw a movie just last night, uh, Enola Holmes. Uh, I was invited over to go see it and uh, uh, pretty tired out, but I laid on the floor and, and stayed awake through most of it. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of the things that I saw creeping in to the movie is this idea that there is a political solution to the injustices of a particular era or time or moment in history. And they were looking, and there were some people looking for that political solution. It wasn't a real strong part of the message in the in the movie, but I could see the elements of that going along. And somehow the other people thought there was a political solution. And it brought to mind uh, people like uh, Riley and, and Thomas Sowell and a number of other people we've talked about before in our white fragility uh, audios and that uh, that they realized that the, this was a terrible fallacy that the injustices or inequities in a society could be remedied by political solutions. And of course that worked right into uh, the theories of uh, Cloward and Piven which we also write about and uh, and LBJ and uh, and uh, Saul Alinsky and different people who came up with the idea that there were political solutions to what they considered to be the injustices of society. The bad part of that is that it empowers politicians. <laughs> and of course, we all know how you can tell if a politician is lying because his lips are moving. And so you don't really want that kind of uh, solution to be depended upon because the strengthening of that solution could eventually lead more and more to centralizing power in politics. So you want to really avoid that kind of solution in your efforts to find out you know, or resolve certain issues. Somebody I saw writing about some of the things that were in the news, and that's where we're going to look at some of the things in the news and equate it, because I believe that uh, Hosea and Joel and Amos were 
giving us the real solution and warning us of the real dangers in those prophecies. But most of the common commentaries do not really get down to the problem. And that's what we're going to address when we go through our study. We've already started. And we only gave you cut a little, kind of like slots, <laughs> slashes in our windows and looking at Hosea. But we're going to cut a bigger hole and looking at Joel, even though it's a much smaller book. And we will even cut a bigger hole in each one of these. And hopefully, by the time we get to Amos and maybe Micah and some of these other, uh, you'll be able to go back to Hosea and then you will your preconceived notions will be washed away and you will have new understanding and be able to read the text of the Bible from beginning to end with a new light that's now come in. We can't give it to you all at once because it's too blinding a light. But I wrote down here in my notes, the destruction of journalistic ethics is nearly complete. The same group of reporters and pundits who rushed to report every rumor, every speculation, every claim, every lie about uh, this Donald Trump who's in the White House in the United States for the, well, literally almost for the last four years, absolutely avoid and denounce every allegation concerning Hunter Biden and the Biden family. I just actually heard somebody doing an interview, 60 Minutes doing an interview, and they had, they had the whole interview because uh, they filmed it themselves. It's an important thing to do because it's not all cut up and clipped up. And so that you can actually watch that instead of what they come up with. And it is just appalling the way... Now, I'm not a Trump supporter. I mean, Trump is running for the President of the United States. I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those, these are two different... Uh, approaches to the solutions of the world. But he's there. And he's there and he's saying certain things. So looking at the, the, the conflict between Trump and Biden and the media and Trump, there's no conflict between most of the media and Biden. Uh, but uh, some of the media is pointing out the fact that this laptop is definitely the laptop of Hunter Biden. He signed when he left it off, they talked like somebody found this, like it was found in the street. No, he dropped it off at a repair place and signed for it. The guy fixed it. He dropped off other stuff and signed for that as well. And uh, and the guy repaired some and was unable to repair others and then called them up and said, you know, your laptop is ready. And he didn't come. And According to the agreement, if you don't come and pay within so many months, 30 days, 90 days, I think it, you give notices, and uh, then it becomes the property of you know, the, the, the repair shop. And eventually they looked at the, and found out there was all kinds of stuff on there that made the repairman nervous. And he ended up turning it over to the government. He made backup copies of the hard drive, but turned the laptop over to the government. He did not, from what I understand, he did, I looked at Ben Schwanz, Ben Schwanz was talking about, they had the laptop. No, they have a copy, you know, when he gave it to 
Giuliani and the Giuliani's lawyer, he gave them copies of the hard drive because he made several copies of the hard drive. He did that for his own protection. I don't know what the FBI was doing with it for months and months. Maybe they were working on it, but it wasn't coming out, and this made the repairman even more nervous. And so he took it to somebody else. And he he contacted a lot of people, and the only ones who responded was Giuliani and Giuliani's attorney. And these are, both Giuliani and his attorneys are criminal investigators. They have a great deal of experience in that. So anyway, the laptop seems to be genuine. The lawyers of Hunter Biden called up the repair shop and wanted the laptop back. Of course, he had already turned it over to the FBI. It was too late to give it back. Uh, he's And he'd already turned over the uh, hard drive, at least one of them, to uh, Mayor Giuliani. Mayor Giuliani and others were going to it and looking at it. I guess his lawyer went to it first and found it all authentic. Now they've had... Associates of Hunter Biden who's come forth and say, yeah, these are my emails sent to Hunter Biden. This is his email sent back to me. That's all on the laptop. So that's verifying that it is really the laptop of Hunter Biden. It is video on it that is Hunter Biden. Uh, there's video of it of uh, lots of things that are, some of them are, uh, not just embarrassing, but evidently criminal. It's now been turned over to uh, several police investigators to be investigated for other criminal uh, activities that are evident by the material. But the media is still going around saying this is unverified, that uh, this is a Russian hoax. And everybody that has first-hand knowledge, first-hand knowledge, say this doesn't appear to be a... There's no evidence that it's a Russian hoax. It's every evidence that it is his laptop. It's every evidence that it is authentic. And every evidence is that it is verified. And they can't find any reason why it's not. There's no denial coming from the Bidens that saying that it's not our laptop. They just have this narrative that it's a Russian hoax. But it doesn't seem to be what the evidence is saying. It's just what the Democrats are saying, and much of the media is repeating that. The same media that says, oh, we can't cover that because it's not verified, we're covering every single rumor about the Steele dossier, which, if you ever read the Steele dossier, it sounds fake. It doesn't even sound real. It's, it's second, third, fourth hand information. It's innuendo and and uh, uh, hearsay and speculation. It's almost sarcastic. The testimony that's in it is almost like sarcasm, jokes by drunken guys in a bar. No evidence that it's real at all. It's, it just seems absurd. They don't tell you that. They evidently knew early on that it was not reliable and they continued to use it. And there's this sworn testimony by people you can see uh, that have seen the evidence. So, but the media is not reporting it. And this is what's so terrible. So a lot of things that we're going to say about Joel, and we have already said about Hosea, you can go to preparingyou.com and look up Hosea. 
H-O-S-E-A. And it will take you to a page that is about Hosea, about the book of Hosea. And then it links to the other chapters, 14 chapters. And we have audios on every single page now that you can listen. We have one more audio that we will add, but it's we've covered basically all 14 chapters. I took one show out to talk about kind of an interim approach between uh, chapter 13 and 14 to kind of set the scene and bring this ancient book into our times. And that's kind of what we're doing now and talking about this. But, you know, I was quoting an article. Bevin Cooney is the uh, Biden associate who uh, turned over 26,000 additional emails uh, that reportedly substantiate that uh, this was uh, Hunter Biden's. And these are real people. Stand up on video saying, this is my phone. I am turning this over to the FBI. I actually have three phones here. I'm turning them all over to the FBI and and cooperating entirely. And these are Hunter Biden's emails. This is his laptop, etc., etc. All verifying way more evidence way more evidence than they ever had with anything during the Trump impeachments. Of course, we have people like uh, Schiff going out there and uh, saying that, uh, you know, this is all Kremlin, Russian, Kremlin host, Kremlin. I think he said Kremlin like nine times in this one. There's no evidence that anybody has shown anywhere that ties any of this to the Kremlin. These are talking points. And they're all coming out of the same mouths that we know lied to us before. But a lot of people won't admit it lied to them before. They still will cling to the false narratives. Uh, the article I was quoting from was Chris Farrell. That's, it was his op-ed. Uh, and I, I quoted from that was who it was. I was trying to think of what his name was. I'm terrible at names. But, I'm just saying this so you can verify some of the things. that There's a lot of people writing about this, but there's a lot of people that don't. And one of the stories that came out just this week is in the last debate, and which I didn't watch, but one of my grandsons watched it from beginning to end. He's And he's been reading newspapers. He's not very old. Uh, he's pretty darn tall, but uh, he's just barely turning teens. But he's he was a big history buff. When he was nine and ten years old, he could tell you all about the Romans and everybody and how their battle tactics and everything. And now all of a sudden he's gotten interested in the political landscape and what's in the news. And he's just consuming everything he can. And he's a real bright kid. I don't tell him that all the time. <laughs> anyway, he's, uh, he's been looking at all this stuff and studying it and stuff like that. And that's, he's home taught, of course, like all our kids and most of our grandkids are all home taught. And uh, they're just a whiz at some of these things. But in the last debate, uh, Trump was mentioning the fact that the, the, the cages were built by the Obama and Clinton administration. Then they're not really cages. They shouldn't even be called cages. They're chain link partitions in a place where lots of people come and are held while they are temporarily being placed in other places. And they're finding out where these people go because a lot of kids coming across the borders were either unaccompanied or accompanied by an adult who was not their parent. 
And now they've gone to great uh, lengths, and it doesn't get out in the news, but I actually have relatives who went down and talked to the actual Border Patrol and uh, got firsthand information that they now have tests that they can get answers in an hour as to whether this child is even related to this person that says they are the parent. Because it was a way in which to get into the country and get a free pass into the country. So they were literally stealing children. And then some of the so-called children were just short people claiming to be 14 years old and were actually already hooking on the streets of Mexico (laughs) and wanted to get up here to America because you can make a lot more money hooking up here in America. And, of course, some of these people were being trafficked, which is what uh, Trump was mentioning. And it's absolutely true. Uh, This is a real thing. We... Uh, we know a lot of Hispanics that come up here. Some of them came up here illegally. Some of them went back and ca- re-entered the country legally because they wanted to do it right. Uh, and, you know, I've known, you know, I've worked with Mexicans and Filipinos and everything in the onion radish fields of Harry Maranaca in uh, Southern California years and years ago. And uh, we used to hide people from the INS. <laughs> Uh, depending on who they were. And uh, I don't know that we necessarily hid them, but we didn't aid and abet anybody else from catching them and turning them in. And even when they did, they were often back the next day, even though they flew one fellow, I remember, Arturo, they flew him to, this is, we're talking uh, 50 years ago. They would fly him back to Mexico City, and he was back at work the next day. And he was not from a poor family. He was from a wealthy family. And he was not a good worker when he first came, but he learned to really work. And he was, not only that, but I remember he was learning uh, Japanese quicker than he was learning English. But uh, amazing interaction with these early on. All my life I've dealt with these people. It's been great. Great experience for them. Great experience for me. And I think it's fine. But I also understand that there are laws in this country, and uh, I wouldn't want to break those laws. And uh, But I will if the laws become lawless. And what I see with this whole Trump-Biden laptop thing is there is not a love of truth on the side of a large amount of the media. And we have to learn to understand the spirit of the liars. The spirit of those who are not telling us the truth. It did not start with the, before there was fake news, there was fake education. And before there was fake education, there was the fake gospel of the kingdom. And before there was the fake gospel of the kingdom, (laughs) there was something else that was fake. Fake religion, uh, fake theology, and all these things have built up around in the world so that you cannot see the truth. They've clouded the glass. They've dirtied the scene of what is true and what is not. And uh, we need to think again and look again at everything. And so we, you know... uh, what what did he say in um, Princess Pride? You have to go back to the beginning. <laughs> so he went back to the beginning. 
And uh, uh, this is this is where we need to go and to look at all things new, which is something that we see in the Bible also. Keith Olbermann, uh, an American sports and political commentator and writer, uh, gives this. Uh, he used to. Uh, he's he's won awards and all this. And he is a rabid Trump hater. And the things he says is clearly hate speech. Violent, uh, hate-mongering. He gets away with it. Other people are censored left and right. This is the thing that we're seeing now. Vehemently censored. I just, Ty Bollinger put out, uh, well, I have only seen a little bit of it. But judging by his past work, it's on vaccines. Very detailed, a lot of experts speaking, trying to bring information forward in an abundant way, put together, I don't know, I think it's at least 10 videos. Some of the videos are two hours long. And, uh, you know, he started with Truth About Cancer. I think that uh, I may even have a page open here where I can tell you what page to go to. But he's being censored. He's even being censored by Verizon. Because that's one of the things is that when you're censored and they deplatform you and everything, you try to find another way of getting the information out. So the truth about vaccines is what they have now. dot com. You can go to truthaboutvaccines.com. And they have the episodes in, uh, yeah, there's ten episodes there. I'm sure it's quality stuff. I'm not saying that everything is true, but I think they they definitely are trying to find the truth and they're trying to not be biased. Uh, contrary to what we see with uh, much of the media in the 60-minute the, uh, interview of Trump, it was clearly, clearly biased from, what was it, Leslie was the interviewer? Never seen such bias. I don't... And this is one of the biggest scandals, this laptop scandal, scandal, since, you know, the teapot scandal. I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming in how deep it goes. But it's not all going to come out uh, right away. They're, they're, it's a huge amount of data to look at. Uh, but it, it definitely, anybody tells you it's not authentic or that anybody is saying that it's not authentic or it's Russian, they haven't even looked at the data. They're, they're just spousing a narrative so that people who don't want to see the truth will have an excuse to discount it. That's what they're up to. They're giving you an excuse to discount the truth. And the reason we're bringing this up is so that you can see the process. It's so evident with what they're doing. If you're not already, what do they call it, uh, you know, one of these orange man bad people who he can't do anything right whatsoever. And again, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christ supporter. That's where the solution is really at. But it's interesting to watch this because of the fact that you're going to run up against the same spirit, false accuser, liar spirit, when you look at the gospel of the kingdom. I just sent off to a home church group they just said they said the modern version of the church ministry is not what the early church was doing. So I sent them the article that we have on what an elder was 
at the time of Jesus Christ, in the time of the early church. When, because we see the word several times, or numerous times, in the Bible. Not always translated elder, but that's another story. And you can go read the article at Preparing You. And uh, we'll show you what an elder was. An elder was not an office of the church. There were elders who were appointed to offices in the church. But it's not an office of the church. Elder is an office of the family. And elders of families were appointed to do certain things for the church. What was the church doing? It was really simple. They were rightly dividing the bread from house to house. They were preaching the government of God. They were facilitating, by rightly dividing the bread from house to house, they were facilitating pure religion amongst the people. Taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of their society through faith, hope, and charity. The alternative to that was to take care of the needy of society through force, fear, and fealty. Fealty to Nimrod, fealty to Cain, fealty to uh, Pharaoh, fealty to Caesar, fealty to FDR, fealty to LBJ, fealty to the New World Order where you become a numbered member of a system that provides for the needy through force. That is anti-Christ to do that, to use force to do it. John the Baptist wasn't. He wasn't going to use force. He was going to use charity. The Old Testament, they didn't use force. In, in, you know, in the early days of the Levites, they did not use force. They did not force the contributions of the people. They had what they called free will offerings, which is what we call charity. If you do not take care of the needy of your society through charity, you will go under tyrants. And we have articles, uh, not just from the Bible, from the historian of historians, Polybius, shows you, knew this 150 years before Christ was born, was telling people, that if you end up taking from each other to provide for the needy of your society, it will alter you, degenerate you as a society, and bring you under the power of tyrants. And that's exactly what we've been doing for the last hundred years, step by step. And so we come along preaching this other way, which is Christ's way. When I share, I, I don't know what they'll say, I can guess, but I, I have a prayer and a hope that on this home church group, they will read that and awaken to the fact that Christ's way is not what they're doing now. They're right that the modern church is not doing what the early church did. They are right in that statement. But, I do not see them on that group saying what the early church was, or doing what the early church was actually doing. It wasn't a social club. It wasn't a feel-good club. It wasn't about emotions. It was about righteousness and love, which, same word for love is the same word for charity. And we see right away in the New Testament that they were providing charity worldwide. To the known world. We know that they were 
going from Galatia to Corinth to uh, Syria to Ephesus and providing a welfare system, supporting a welfare system that operated by faith, hope, and charity. And there was a great deal of need for that at that time. There was charitable, not, I shouldn't say charitable, there was a welfare system at that time. It was government charity. Government charity is by force. It's not real charity. Because it's not based on free will offerings. It's based by force offerings. Which is against Christ. Which was, is what socialism, it's a redistribution of wealth through politics. Through political means. Which is through force. Not through charity. If the church, everybody was claiming to be a Christian, everybody who is claiming to be a Christian were actually taking care of the needy of society, like the first century church, America would not have so many social welfare programs. You would not have the media that you have today. You would not have the system. How is it that so many people accept socialism today? There's real danger that a lot of people will vote for the socialist government offered by the Democratic Party. The radical socialist government offered by the Democratic Party at this time. I mean, Democratic Party has certainly changed. It's always been a little bit more liberal, but it's certainly changed since the days of Kennedy. Uh, you know, and, and I could tell you a lot about that. I remember those days. I remember what they were saying at that particular time. And what they were doing at that particular time. And most people are unaware of what they were doing and what they were saying. Because they're too young. I was there. I remember. And, you know, Kennedy has this famous speech that he talks about this kind of New World Order thing going on behind the scenes. And he has one particular place where he says to covet means... At least that's what it sounds like he says. But if you look at the transcript, they say covert means. And because of his Bostonian accent, he might have said covert means. And they certainly were covert means. But he also sounded like he said to covet means. And of course, Peter told us 2,000 years ago to covetous practices. They would make merchandise of you. Curse your children. Make you a surety for debt. All that's happened. Well, if you go back to Joel, they talk about a curse coming on the people. And a need in the second chapter, they talk about this need for repentance. But the words they use for this curse coming upon the people is translated a particular way. And like I've told you many times, Hebrew words almost always have two translations for the same word. One is an abstract meaning. And the other one is an actual physical meaning. And of course if you go back to our altars. You know altars of stone. Is actually a council of men. It's a council of good solid men. What we would call solid men. He's a rock we would say. Well we know he's not a rock. We know he's like a rock. But we say he's a rock. And so that's a metaphor. And we know the metaphor, so we don't have any problem interpreting it. When I say this guy is like a rock, nobody pictures in their mind somebody who is this statue carved out of stone. They 
I think, I mean, he's really, uh, you know, I'm talking about, you know, like somebody has a big heart. You know, am I talking about Mother Teresa or Andre the Giant? Andre the Giant has a big heart. Mother Teresa has a big heart. But Andre the Giant, I may be talking about the specific organ in his body called the heart. With Mother Teresa's little bitty thing, <laughs> I may be talking about her compassion. Actually, and I say it about Andre the Giant, I might be talking about both. Because evidently he was a man with a great deal of compassion. But these are metaphors. We don't carry them too far, but a lot of times in the Bible when they mention locusts and... and uh, uh, caterpillars and stuff like that, we think they're talking about actual locusts and caterpillars. When they're actually talking about ambuscade and, and, uh, deception and seizing and possessing. But we'll get all into that when we study Joel in greater detail. So, in the news today, there's a great deal of this deception and word games, word playing, and uh, we have to be on guard from it. And just like the vaccines are supposed to make you immune, uh, and the reality is, is that you'll see it if you go to uh, Ty Bollinger and uh, uh, Ty and Charlene uh, Bollinger, their their videos on vaccine. One of the first people they or second person they're interviewing there says that what keeps you healthy is a healthy immune system. The vaccine doesn't make you healthy. The vaccine is just to trigger your immune system so that you have this robust immune system to make you healthy. There's a lot of things that could trigger that immune system, and of course that's how they discovered the possibility of vaccines, is that milkmaids were immune to smallpox. They had gotten that immunity because they came in contact with cowpox. And they naturally developed a partial immunity to smallpox. So they did not get serious cases of smallpox and somebody linked up this problem. If more people in France were drinking milk from cows that had cowpox, there would have been less people in France that got smallpox because they would have developed the same immunity as the milkmaids. If every if we had a cow in every house, <laughs> we not only would have lots of cheese, <laughs> we would have immunity to smallpox because the cows would get cowpox. And the fact is, is did you know that cows get coronavirus? They've been getting coronavirus for more than a decade. Different strains of it, but that's the whole point. That if you're you're getting exposed to, they believe, and there are. There's studies that show that 28 to 35 percent of the people in America and in Europe, respectively, were already immune to the coronavirus before it even arrived. That's halfway to herd immunity before it even arrived, more than halfway in Europe. And that makes for that strong immune system. They had that immunity because of T1 cells or T cell memory. If you don't understand, you have to go back and listen to all our other audios. But what makes you immune to lies? Well, that's why I'm telling you about Trump and Biden. And that's to see how the lie works. How they distract you from the truth. Well, 
First, they want to make you angry. They want to make you emotional. They want to get you on an emotional level. Now, like I said, I am not pro-Trump. I'm pro-Christ. That's my job. That's my job description. That's my candidate for your king is Christ. But I can show you how they're abusing Trump. That's really easy to see. And how they're lying about him. But the reality is, I don't want to see Trump get more and more powerful because I know power corrupts. And Trump, if he even is elected again, he's only going to be in office for the most four more years. And if his office becomes more and more powerful and we become more and more dependent upon that office for our salvation in this world, the next guy will inherit that power. What I want you to do is become elders in a congregation of Christ. All of you, every head of every household should be an elder in a congregation of ten. And those congregations of ten should be linked like the early church. Not only to take care of one another, but to create herd immunity to the lies that are coming down the pike. I just shared uh, in uh, Ty Bullinger's uh, webpage with his videos. He's leaving them up for free for a little while here. But uh, you can go there and listen to him. And I shared it with the ministers of his holy church only. And they can send them out and share them with other people. Now, like I said, there are power in the media already trying to censor this. Even Verizon is trying to send it in, censor it in text messages. That because knowledge is power. And they don't, they want the power. They don't want you to have the power. That is the spirit of the lie. So you have to, in order to protect, you have to love the truth. And the truth is, Christ showed us another way that most people are unfamiliar with. So anyway, uh, you know, it's, it's really obvious. I, I met my wife working in a convalescent home some 40 some, almost 50 years ago. And we saw, we heard, Governor Cuomo was sending sick people, not fully recovered from coronavirus, from hospitals to convalescent homes. We instantly knew that that would kill people. Lots of people. And evidently, and he, there was four other uh, governors who did the same thing. Pennsylvania, I can't remember all of the different states. Uh, Michigan. And it killed thousands and thousands of people. And a nurse's aide could have told you that was crazy. Any doctor could have told you that was crazy. And people did tell them that it was crazy. But they're not telling you in the media. Most of the media just ignores it. They actually praise him for the work he did. And the work he did actually killed. I mean, he's literally a, a mass murderer. He killed more people than AR-15s ever killed. Ever killed. By that, his order. And uh, stopping the the use of uh, hydrochloroquine, that that killed people. 
because hydrochloroquine it has been known as an inhibitor, published by Fauci's own organization five years ago, almost six years ago now. The hydrochloroquine was a game changer on inhibiting the not only the spread, but the advancement in an individual patient of coronavirus. And that's what all the doctors who are using it are seeing. They have quicker relief, quicker recovery. They don't get into that labor breathing. And there's, you know, Eversol, several of these other solutions. Other solutions were used in other countries. That's what the CDC should have been doing, is spreading what was working in other countries. And instead of getting into the politics, the same way with who. It's, it's just astounding. And now we have Facebook, YouTube, Google censoring the information that the CDC should have been sharing, who should have been sharing, was available for years and years and years. They're censoring it so that you don't see the truth. What we want you to do is start seeing the truth about the gospel of the kingdom. And when you start seeing that truth of the gospel of the kingdom, all the other truths will become more self-evident. You won't be caught up in anger. You won't be caught up in hate. It's amazing. It's it's the left and the democratic society that is saying that Trump is this racist and hate person and everything. There's no evidence of that. Almost none. You can find all kinds of evidence on the on some of the candidates on the Democratic side. But who's burning down what cities? Who's, you know, a lot of the protesters, they say, well, the protesters were mostly peaceful. If all those protesters were not out there protesting, there would not have been the riots. They were facilitating the riots. They were creating an atmosphere of hate and violence. They were saying this whole white fragility uh, nonsense that is coming from the left, where you're you're guilty of racism because you're white, that you're guilty of racism because you say you're not racist. So that's proof. That you are. It's like saying, "When did you stop beating your wife?" And it says. I don't beat my wife. Well, that's obvious that you do beat your wife because you're in denial. No, no, I don't beat my wife. Oh, that's just terrible. You know, I mean, like, this is the logic that they're throwing at you. But now I'm telling you that the Bible, from the very beginning, before Cain, before Nimrod, the Bible was telling you to live by faith, hope, and charity. By When I say charity, I mean love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Take care of your neighbor and the needs of your neighbor. If he falls on hard times, through charity. This is the message of the gospel. But now go down to your local churches and say, okay, somebody needs help from, you know, their, their agent. They want to collect social security. And, and I'm just sharing this and you can go to our website. I mean, these are facts. Somebody actually referred to one of the web pages I shared. Well, as a conspiracy website. These are facts. There's thousands of footnotes that take you to actual studies, take you to the actual documents where you can actually read them for yourself. 
yeah, it's going to tell you the, the hypothesis and the conclusions are different than what you already have, but that doesn't make it a conspiracy. That just makes it contrary to what you already believe. But Social Security, they said, well, that somebody had posted, and actually it was uh, Charlie Kirk posted something about the fact that uh, Social Security is this, and he mentioned it as if it was a trust fund. And that it would have enough funds in it if they weren't raiding that trust fund. Nonsense. I mean, Charlie Kirk is a pretty smart guy. But he has not read the Social Security Act. He has not read the case law around Social Security from the beginning, way back in the 30s and in the 60s. There is no division of funds, so therefore there is no trust fund. There never was to begin with. That's not what it says in the Act. There is no obligation to provide you with any benefits. There is the power to take money away from you. But there is no obligation to provide you anything back. Never has been. It's not the way it's written. And we don't just say that. We show you the court cases. We show you the line items. We show you what it actually says. We link to the actual documents. Now, of course, the Social Security Act has changed greatly over the years. And now, if you want to get a driver's license, a business license, a bank account, almost anything, you have to have a Social Security number to do it. And it says that. It doesn't say bank accounts necessarily, but it does say that in relationship to any kind of driver's license, marriage license, professional license. It has a whole list, and we, we have the list, so you can go read it yourself. We have the link right to where it says this in the law. You can find it yourself. You can look it up in numerous places. Just go look up Title 42 under Section 666, Section 13. It will tell you. You have to have a Social Security number to do any of these things. If you don't have that number, you might not be able to buy and sell because you won't be able to have a job. You probably won't be able to get a bank account. You won't be able to get a license, a driver's license. You won't be able to get a marriage license. Not that you want one. But you won't be able to get any of these things. Unless you're one of the numbered members. In a system that provides for the needy of your society, including health care, education, whatever. Through men who exercise authority one over the other. Which in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. But it is. But yet you say you're a Christian. You say you're following Christ, but you're doing the exact opposite of what Christ said to do. You're actually doing what Christ said not to do. You're not living by faith, open charity. You're not living by the perfect law of liberty. You're actually coveting your neighbor's goods through the exercising authority of men who call themselves benefactors but don't give you money out of their pocket they give you money out of their, your neighbor's pocket and actually they're, most of the money they're giving you they borrow against the life of and sweat and toil of your children so now where is all this going? Where, where did it go with Hosea? Where did it go with Joel? Where did it go with Amos? 
Well, to tell you the truth, it's going a lot farther with us than it went with them. But the solution is still the same. You have to repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's what we'll see in, in Joel. And that's what we've seen in the gospel. Because they were creating the same systems. They had already started creating them 150 years before Christ was born. They really got going about 50 to 25 years before Christ was born. They were pervasive throughout the Roman Empire. Many of the other uh, systems and governments outside of the Roman Empire. By the time Christ began his ministry. It certainly was the way it was in Judea because thanks to the temples, and I say in plural, the temples that Herod built, because he not only built the temple in Jerusalem, he also built, built the temple of Rome. And these temples were the buildings through which they administered their system of welfare, their system of social security, their system of benefits to the people. And, but they were based on force. Forcing the contributions of the people. You sign up. Once you sign up, then you had to pay in. And they had Molokai and Gabai ministers who would come along. And these were the priests of your society and force you to contribute. They would pace off your fields. They would count the coming branches in your windowsill. If you caught a lot of fish, they would take a portion of that. And they would sell it in the market. And they would take the profits into their coffers, and they were able to build this golden temple. Herod was able to build this golden temple because it always works at first. But we've done something worse. It's worse with us today because we're borrowing against the future labor of your children. So now your fathers, and, and that borrowing, of course, is a violation of another commandment. Not that borrowing is a sin, but in this particular case, it is a violation of the commandment. And if you don't know which commandment is violated by taking benefits from a government that is borrowing against the future of your children, what commandment, there's actually at least two, three by one count, commandments you're in violation of by desiring benefits in a system like that? Do you know which ones they are? Join us on the network and give me your answer. You know, go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org, join the network in your area, and say on there what you think the, what commandments are being violated. If you're already a member of the group, just mention this program and, and say, I think it's these commandments that are violated. <laughs> we'll see how good you do. And I, cause I'll publish the answer eventually. So, what we're seeing is this, it, we, we have become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for our livelihood and our social welfare on the property of others. And this has been altering society so that you have people rushing into businesses, not only to steal and rob from those private businesses in their community, but to actually even burn them down as they leave. This is a destructive spirit. It is the same spirit that we have seen pop up here and there. Mostly people that are on psychotropic drugs, usually put there by a doctor, 
but they go out and they shoot and they kill people they don't even know, they murder people they don't even know, and then they kill themselves. This is the spirit of destruction. And this is becoming more and more pervasive. And the people that are being swept up in this spirit are in more or greater and greater denial. And so join the network and we will try to help you turn around and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because this is going to be very important to all of you in the days to come. So until then, I will just have to say peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.